Hey everyone, I'm Jim Ambusky, and this is Conversations at the Washington Library. One of the great privileges of leading the library's Center for Digital History is that we often get to collaborate with students. Now this takes many forms. Often we work with faculty to integrate our digital projects into their course assignments. On other occasions, we deliver lectures to students about digital history or some aspect of 18th century history. And we're also fortunate to work with student interns throughout the year who help us advance our mission while they gain practical, real-world experience in the historical profession. On today's episode, we're excited to bring you a chat with Jamie Morris. Jamie was our summer intern, and she worked closely with my colleague Jeanette Patrick and me on a number of the Center's research and public history projects, including this very podcast. Jamie is a senior majoring in history and business at Washington College in Chestertown, Maryland. She came to us via Wash College's CV Star Center for the Study of the American Experience, which partners with cultural institutions like the Washington Library to offer students experiential learning opportunities. In normal circumstances, Jamie would have been on site at the library for her internship. But as that wasn't possible due to COVID-19, our digital intern became a virtual one, which actually worked out really great. As you'll hear, Jamie wants to use her skills to land her dream job at the Disney Archives. So if any of you listeners out there have an in with a certain mouse, please do let us know. Jeanette and I feel very fortunate to have worked with Jamie this past summer, and Jeanette joins me on the show today to talk to our recently departed intern about what she learned and how she hopes to one day work at the happiest place on earth. The three of us used our final video chat meeting to discuss Jamie's time at the Washington Library. As I mentioned, we do love working with students and faculty, so if you think the Center for Digital History might be a good partner for you, please drop us a line at conversationspodcast at mountvernon.org. And with that, let's digitally intern at the Washington Library with Jamie Morris. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm sorry to say that today is actually a sad day here on Conversations at the Washington Library because it is the last day that our intern, Jamie Morris from Washington College, will be working with us this summer as as it is time to go back to school, whatever that means in this new reality. And we'll, we'll talk about what she's doing here over the course uh, of our conversation today. But uh, Jamie has been a delight to work with over the past several months here at the Washington Library, although... Uh, remotely, and she's been working with myself and my colleague Jeanette Patrick in the Center for Digital History. And today is her chance to shine, at least on the podcast. She's been shining over the course of these uh, 10 or so weeks. And so Jeanette and I are going to talk to her a little bit about her experiences. And and hopefully uh, you'll get a good concrete sense of what she's been up to over the summer and what she's learned and what she hopes to accomplish down the road later in life, because she does have some pretty great career aspirations. So, Jamie, for the last time, welcome back to the show. You were on a, uh, a special listener questions episode with Kate Brown earlier this summer, but today it's all about you, and thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm really excited. Well, we're excited you're here. Jeanette and I, as I said, are very sad that this is the end, but also a beginning in some ways because you'll be going off into the wider world after leaving the confines of, of the library, even though you never actually step foot in it. But you are at Washington College in Maryland. Chestertown, Maryland. Tiny Chestertown. Chestertown, Maryland. Not far, actually, from Mount Vernon, about an hour away or so. And so in a perfect world, you would have been on site at the library this summer. But alas, that was not to be. A little bit about yourself. And tell us a little bit about your career at Washington College. Tell the people what they want to know. 
I am a senior history and business management double major at Washington College. Got this internship through the Star Center, which I've been working for for three years now. And I've done lots of different things, but this has been my favorite of their programs, obviously. I'm writing my senior thesis this year, and hopefully I'll be in person soon enough. Well, you mentioned the Star Center, and we're talking about the CV Star Center, and that may be unfamiliar to a lot of folks who are listening to the show. Can you just briefly tell us what that is? Yes, of course. So at the Star Center, it's kind of a it's a center for American history in Chestertown. It's through our school. They live, work at the Customs House, which is down by the water. It's actually an 18th century building that was used as a Customs House before the Revolution. And they had grant students lots of internships. So I've had three internships at the Star Center so far. I started on the exhibition team where we created an exhibit for the waterfront at Chestertown. And then during that year, I was also on the tour guide team. So I gave people tours who wanted to come to the customs house on weekends. And then we also like tried to enhance the tour a little bit. So it was really fun. This past year, I was on the multimedia marketing team. We worked with students and we did oral interviews for students and we tried to publicize the Star Center to get more um, people to come and join and work with a lot of the freshmen to get them interested in history and publicize the Explore America program, which is also part of the Star Center. They set you up for internships past the Star Center, so they have lots of different opportunities. So some of them are obviously Mount Vernon at um, the Washington Library. And then there's also some of them are the National African American Museum in this at the Smithsonian. And then there's also the Historical Society in New York City and the Maryland Archives. There's a lot more, but I can't remember them right now. But they give us a list every year and you can choose your top three and then they assign you or they go to a board and they go through and pick who they want to go where. And it's a uh, one of the top reasons that I chose to go to Washington College because I knew they would have this opportunity. It's been great. Well, that's really remarkable. And it seems like they're positioning uh, graduates or future graduates such as yourself to work in fields of public history. And we do want to talk about your career aspirations down the road. Before we get to that, I was actually wondering if you might talk a little bit about your experiences right at this moment, because Washington College is back in session or is it a hybrid model or digital learning? You're you're not, you are in Maryland at your college, but uh, are yeah. you, are you actually going to class in the No, I started class classes, like virtual classes last week, but everything is online. Everybody's learning, but it's online right now. I moved back to Chestertown because I'm renting a house, but I, most people don't have that opportunity. So I'm here in Chestertown, but there, it's very strange. There's not really anybody here. And I'm sitting on my computer for three hours a day doing either homework or classes. Get to see people through a computer screen all day. All right. But not what everybody wants, but it's they're making the best out of it. So, Jeanette, we actually learned that we were going to have Jamie as an intern in April. And so what were some of your expectations for bringing on a new team member to the Center for Digital History? I was really excited when we found out that Jamie was going to be joining us. Um, I think that I got so much out of internships when I was um, in undergrad and graduate school. And so I was just excited that we were going to be able to have help with some of our projects, but also that someone was going to get you know, this real experience of, you know, some of the knitting or grittier parts of public history and digital history. And that there are a lot of really fun and exciting aspects. There's a lot of, you know, that like 
metadata is incredibly important in what we do. And, you know, it's not always bright and shiny, but I think I, I, I enjoyed and appreciated getting those experiences as an intern so that I would understand when I hit the real world that like, you know, a lot of public history is not, is not exciting big projects, but it's incredibly important work. Well, a lot of it is, in fact, putting the pieces together. Yes. What folks see in the public realm is just the end result. But these internships certainly allow you to, to bring people underneath the hood to check out the hardware and see what's going on underneath. And Jamie, you did get to learn all about metadata this year. We were really fortunate that we were able to fold Jamie into our projects so very quickly. And I, you know, I do want to talk about what we were working on this term or this summer. Uh, we had you involved with the Digital Encyclopedia of George Washington. You were actually helping with this podcast, helping us do some marketing research and survey work. And we had you very briefly looking at uh, a new project that actually I can't talk about just quite yet because we haven't done the press release. So we'll just say that it involves a database and that folks out there will learn more about it soon, or at least hopefully they will have by the time this show airs. But Jamie, tell us about the deep and unabiding affection you developed for metadata. <laughs> Actually, I really enjoyed it because it was it was um, soothing kind of to organize things. So going through every name and then it was like completed. So I actually really enjoyed doing it. And it's also a good skill to have because it's something that I hadn't done beforehand. And I, I was very grateful to be able to do the metadata as much crazy as that may seem to you guys. But I really enjoyed doing the metadata because it was teaching me, but also was soothing my craving to do work. <laughs> Here's the final quiz. What is metadata? Metadata is kind of difficult to describe, but it's the data that goes into the database. What I was doing was majority of the dates and the, the nitty gritty stuff that goes into what you see on an encyclopedia. So you may go to the Mount Vernon encyclopedia, but you don't know what else is included in it. So what people do on the back end is all the little details that you would never notice, like the contributors who updated it last, the dates, the other links that you could go to. It's all little tiny stuff, but it makes for a good encyclopedia. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's the, the, the pieces you really need to, be able to search and to, you know, use, you know, use digital history to then be able to organize and you know, do fun and interesting things with a, da a data set. And I agree with you. Metadata can get tedious, but I also think it's it can be a very soothing project. Mm -hmm. well, especially because it allows you to make choices and it helps you organize the information that the public is ultimately going to see. I mean, it's very easy to think about metadata as simply something that's descriptive of something else. But in reality, you're making a choice about what you think is important and how it should be presented to the public. So I'll, you know, just sort of thinking about it as the metadata being the little gremlins that are operating underneath <laughs> the computers, sort of marshalling information to the surface. So how does this fit into your career goals? Um, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do in life? My career path is a little bit different than most. So when I graduate, I'd like to do the Disney college program. It'll give me a nice buffer year to figure out what I want to do after doing that, I'd like to, well, I'm kind of wherever the wind may take me, but I'd like to end up in the Disney archives, which is a hard job to get. But I think if I keep my options open and try all different things and then figure out what I'm going to go to grad school for, I think I could eventually make it there. And I think the pairing with a business degree is, is smart because, I mean, if you end up 
doing public history, there's so many of the the small historic houses and museums and sites have so few staff that just having that like that business mindset in addition to the history research will, you know, I think probably help you be able to get a job. Those are those are not the type of skills they often teach in public history, undergrad or graduate classes. Um, so I think those will definitely be an asset down the road as you try and find jobs. I interned last summer at a place called Alaire, and they were having trouble with the business aspect of things, which most small historical societies do have trouble and they're a nonprofit, so I've noticed it has been helpful for me to have some sort of business mindset so that I could know that these problems are occurring in the historic worlds and can maybe help them in the future and places, even if it's not Disney, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you raise an important point, though, because you know it's easy to simply categorize uh, a place like you were describing, the Historical Society or Mount Vernon or Monticello or any, any number of other places that are nonprofit as simply nonprofits and therefore uh, tourist attractions that don't have to worry about making a whole ton of money. But in reality, I mean, you, you've got to operate a business. You've got to, to make that bottom line so that you can keep people employed and actually fund the research and the kind of teaching that you want to do in the long run. So where do you see the intersection of the business courses you are taking with the historical work that you have been doing and where do you see uh, the nexus and where do the, where's the road where they both meet? History societies and places that I've worked at, you need to have some sort of financial aspects in your mind because even designing these places, like even, even if you were to start a podcast, there has to be funding that you're going to get to go into that. So I think having sort of a mindset of finance and any sort of business that it's going to be helpful down the line and anywhere I work. So you do want to join the Disney archives though. And you're, you have an aspiration to work at the happiest place on earth. Why Disney? Uh, is it just because you want to work for the mouse house or what's the, uh, what's the allure of that place? I've been going to Disney as long as I can remember. And every time I've gone there, I, I don't, I go for to like enjoy myself, obviously, but I have a different mindset than most people when I'm there. I like to know like what went into creating that ride that I'm looking at. And I've always been interested in reading like the books and listening to Imagineers. And it's not really an like a dynamic part of history, but I do think it has a lot to do with history because right now I'm I took a class last year called The Past and Public Spaces, and I learned that my interest in Disney parks and the building of the architecture of Disney parks goes hand in hand with that class. So we learned a lot about um, the different eras in which places were built, like the Disney parks were built in the 50s and 60s. And right now I'm actually writing my thesis because of this class on futuristic ideas in the 50s and 60s and how the Walt Disney Parks and World's Fairs go hand in hand with the ideals people had in that era and why they were so prominent then. So I think it's interesting to see sort of how America is being shaped through the Disney parks a little bit. That's pretty incredible. So you're like writing your thesis essentially on Tomorrowland. Yes. And Epcot. And so are you looking at the carousel of progress at all, which is this this kind of crazy animatronic ride where they you follow a family over the course of something like 50 years and you go through it now and it's it's way outdated in terms of uh, you know language and and gender stereotypes and other things but they they seemingly they did get the 1980s right which impresses me a great deal <laughs> um, but so are you working with that as part of your thesis yes yeah, so i have looked at a lot of that because it 
It's very interesting to look at how the nuclear family is so rooted in Disney. And I think looking at when that ride was built, which was built for the World's Fair in 1964. So looking at like the World's Fairs and what people wanted to see, that's really, it's like playing hand in hand with my thesis because it's right in the category that I'm going for, which is like the futuristic nuclear family life, which Walt Disney actually, he viewed as, so he built Epcot basically around that idea that he wanted the nuclear family to have a place to live and a place, he wanted a controlled community. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how that one carousel progress has so much to do with the rest of the building of Disney and how the parks go hand in hand with America and their ideas at that time. It's very interesting. That's a cool way to think about it all. I have never been to Disney. Really? My We guilt tripped my parents many years ago into agreeing that once my last sibling graduated from college, which happened a few years ago, we would go. And so they were going to take the entire family in April to Disney for the first time. So I might get to go next summer. But so it is fascinating because that's... There are many of many, much of Epcot I'm excited to get to see just because of the history tied to it. So what are the Disney archives? Uh, it might be self-evident simply by having the word archives and the other word Disney in that same <laughs> sentence. But give us some context here. What are we looking at? What are actually in the Disney archives that you would like to work with as part of your career? They have, well, think of Disney World in their movies. They've got lots of different stuff in there. There's actually a new show on Disney Plus that's called Prop Culture. And I was watching it and they brought us, brought you inside the Disney archives. And it was just huge warehouses of like props and different ride stuff. And I thought that was really, really cool. They pulled out like Mary Poppins horse because it's stuff I have seen in the past and it's stuff that's going to be there. Like it's cool to know that like I'm living through the era that's going to be in those archives and that I've seen all the movies that have like influenced my childhood and upbringing. So it looks awesome from what I've seen. Less of a traditional paper archive. Like we often think more of a large repository of all types of objects. I think that, yeah, I think they have paper stuff too. I think because they, they have the artwork from for movies, like the backdrops and stuff like that. So they have all the different things that are used for Disney. That's true. I mean, it's really amazing. You think about a huge slice of American culture from the 1950s onward is captured in that space. I can't imagine that a whole lot of people are actually getting in there to research and, and investigate it, right? Do they, they probably don't roll this stuff out very often or let independent researchers come in. I I know corporations tend to be very careful about letting researchers into their archives. I think they're pretty strict on that, which is going to make my research a little bit more difficult. But I have a lot of World's Fairs documents that I can Mm -hmm. use and stuff like that. And I'd like to be able to go to the Queens Museum to actually go to the actual site of the World's Fair. But I don't think New York is in play right now. You might have to wait a little bit. You've talked a little bit about why you want to work there, but what do you hope to accomplish there? as a potential archivist in the Disney archives? That is a great question and something I don't exactly have the answer to. But this summer has been great for me because I've gotten to talk and work with a lot of different people. So I worked with you two, obviously, which has been amazing. And then I also got to talk to a lot of different people in the different um, categories at Mount Vernon and 
and let them talk to me about what I wanted to do in my life. And I still have a lot of unanswered questions for myself, but they answered a lot of questions that they could answer for me and where I want to see myself. So I know the Disney archives is definitely on my to-do list, not to do, but (laughs) goals, goal list. Yes. I've got a lot of things that I could potentially do, but my career is open, which is not good because I'm a senior, but. I feel like you have a lot of direction though. And I think that if, if archival work is what you're really interested in, then, you know, graduate school can help you figure out exactly, you know, what specific aspect you're really interested in. But I mean, you have a whole lot more direction in your senior year than I had. I knew that I wanted to eventually get a job at history. So I was going to go get a master's in history because I didn't want to teach. And that was the only thing I could think of that you could like the other career option for a BA in history. And there's lots of different master's programs I could go to from mm-hmm. history. There's like library science and preservation. And well, in addition to working with Jet myself in the library and in digital history, uh, you did have the opportunity, as you mentioned, to talk with a number of people at Mount Vernon who are working in various historical fields. And so who did you talk to and what are some of the things that you learned that you think will help inform your career path? First person I talked to was Sam, and she is the research librarian at um, the library. And she talked a lot about how she got there and what master's program she was doing, which was really helpful to me because it could go in the source of like, I could go to archives from that, which is library science. And I think that would be the most helpful for, to me. But I also um, got a lot of information, Caroline, who talked about, because I love what she does, like the preservation of architecture and stuff. And she was telling me about how she got to where she was and got to talk to Don and Becca also, who were also very helpful with telling me how they got to where they were. And what goes into their jobs and they're lovely people, all of them. And they were all very helpful to talk to me and very open and honest about their jobs. And I'll see where it takes me, but this is, they've been all very helpful. That's good. And I think one of one of the things that you're bringing up is the fact that when you are searching for a career path, you know, talk to people who are working in the prospective fields you're working in, or you might want to work in. They've been in the trenches for a while and they know what it might take to get down a certain path and what, work for them and what didn't, what pitfalls to avoid. So hopefully you can land at uh, Disney. So we've been talking a great deal about archives and metadata and your desire to work in the Disney archives in the future, but we've also had you working on this podcast, actually. Uh, We've been recording a lot of episodes over the summer as we get ready for season five, of which this episode will be a part, but also our live stream programming, which we have been doing in earnest since the library closed to the public due to COVID in March of 2020. So what are some of the things that you have learned working in that in those two different media forms? This these different media forms are actually super helpful because especially right now in a time that we're in right now like people can't get up and go to Mount Vernon because you can't go anywhere. So sitting and listening to live streams has been you get people from all over like you you had a we had someone from Venezuela pop in and that's awesome to see that somebody from Venezuela is popping into the Mount Vernon live stream and it's very helpful for me to learn how to do that because we don't know what the future holds in the history world because this could be a new normal but we don't know and it's very helpful to learn and see the live streams blossom and do well because we know that they can do well in the future and this could be our 
history teaching app platform. And you get a lot more people learning and hearing podcasts and listening to live streams and watching different historians talk about their work. And it's helpful for college students because, like I said, we don't really have a lot of resources right now. And classes are, they're existent, but they're in online. So it's not super educational for us just because you're not getting the face-to-face encounter, but you can listen and learn from live streams, which you wouldn't be learning about this stuff in class. And it's just like being in class basically right now because everything's on a computer screen. So I loved that aspect of it because I get to delve into different concepts of history and it's been awesome. I mean, we we appreciate having you helping us with the live streams. And I think from our perspective, like we want them to be part of whatever the future of our public programming looks like, because we we love that we've been reaching an international audience instead of the people who are within the vicinity of Mount Vernon. So I think you're absolutely right that some form of them is going to continue to exist in the public history world. And as much as I couldn't be at Mount Vernon in person, I don't think I missed out on a ton just because I was able to do everything online and learn how to do a virtual internship. That has been crazy to learn from because I would have never thought that this would be even possible, but this, this was a great experience for me because everything was possible for me to do and I got to meet a lot of people even through Zoom and it was awesome. Well, I think we lucked out too, you know, especially uh, for us because we, I, you know, I've supervised interns in the past over the course of Mm -hmm. my career, but it's always been in person. I think Jeanette, you probably have too. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we've never done a virtual internship, mm-hmm. and and even though digital is kind of our thing, we you know we were still sort of interested to see how this was going to go, and it actually it actually it worked out pretty darn well. So we've got really lucky in that. We've learned a lot too, I would say. Absolutely, you know how to manage people from a distance, but also be willing to trust the individuals who we are asking to do something that they will do it. And of course, you certainly did. We thank you very much. But I, w- I was thinking about the live streams and the podcasts as you were talking, and and thinking about your your career plans. You know, as you mentioned, uh, it's not clear what the future holds, but you do want to be a part of Tomorrowland. And so can you see a way that you can bring in your interest in archives? And especially, let's just imagine a scenario where you are working at the Disney archives. Can you imagine a way that you could take what you have learned from the live streams or the podcasts and make those materials come alive for a public who can't necessarily get in there to see them? Of course, actually, because I feel like I, I would love to learn the history of Disney, but they don't make it as accessible for me. So finding Mount Vernon and you guys do a ton of work to make things accessible for people, but they don't do that. So I would love to be able to go to the Disney archives possibly and work there and bring what I've learned here. People love to learn that stuff. It's just interesting. It's little tidbits, but it's interesting stuff that there are a lot of people out there who would sit there and read that all day, me included, obviously. I think I would love to do that. If you could do a podcast or a live stream of your own, let's let's stick with the podcast. What kind of podcast would you do? Oof, that's tough. I don't know if I can take myself seriously for that long. Um, <laughs> I mean, I somehow managed to do it. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could do something along the lines of what I'm writing my thesis on because there, mm-hmm. there's so much information for me to pack into it and there's I keep finding like different paths that I could go down and I'm like no I need to focus on one thing so I need to really focus on it but if I had a podcast I could talk about it all the time it's so true yeah and I feel like based on what you've described the Disney archive contains there's just endless stories and endless you know possibilities of things that you could talk about and you know go really deep on 
Mary Poppins force. And, you know, then the next episode could be about something entirely different. I'd listen. Thank you. <laughs> That's one viewer. <laughs> when you learned you'd be joining the library this summer, what kind of experiences did you hope to gain? When I was in eighth grade, I went to Mount Vernon, as many people do, but I was the most excited to go to Mount Vernon. I remember when they put it on the itinerary, itinerary, that was my favorite thing. And I was like, mom, I'm going to Mount Vernon. So when I got this internship, I was super excited. And I honestly, I didn't really care what I did. I was just excited to do it. So I, um, but I was kind of open to doing anything because honestly, I there I have some experience like working in a historical field, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it. So I was really excited just to learn and go into different topics. And this has been overly successful for me because it's I've gotten to learn lots of different things. And I wanted to I wanted to learn. I just I feel like I have this open mindset where I just want to learn everything there is so that I can choose what I want to do. And this has been very helpful in letting me decide what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and what I want to go to school for. So I think that's, I mean, that's the perfect mindset to have if you're interested in the public history field, because there are just so many, you know, different opportunities and options, but there's also, there, there are not a ton of jobs. And so, you know, willing to be flexible and, mm-hmm. you know, go down a path that you never you know, thought that you were going to go down is important or being willing to, you know, not say like, this is the exact job I want. And so I think, I think that's a great mindset to have for this field because, you know, it it changes a lot. And I mean, we do so many different things, but I think it's, I think you're on a good track. Well, and speaking of the current moment and thinking about the future, I think as we were talking before, there's, there's probably no way that this is all going away because it's just expands people's reach markedly so compared to what was being done in the past. And so you're in a really good position where you're having to learn, you're getting to learn what works and what doesn't right at the moment where we're trying to figure this all all out uh, in this moment. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be very valuable skills for you to have down the line. Well, Jamie, I suppose that's a great place to end it. Um, This is it. This is the end. Oh, that's sad. (laughs) It is sad, actually. I'm going to miss our weekly meet. I mean, you can keep working for free if you want. That's fine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're not doing that. Um, Volunteer hours. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been a terrific intern. Uh, hopefully, you've learned something from us. I think it's safe to say we've learned a lot from you. Call us if you ever need us. We're happy to write letters, uh, shout your praises. Right, uh, whoever's the CEO of Disney right now. Uh, <laughs> Bob Iger has stepped down, but uh, I'm sure we could probably find his contact information somewhere to put in a good word for you. So I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, good luck in the future and come back and see us. Of course I will. Hopefully I'll get to see you in person this time. That You know, that's Probably a great nice. point. <laughs> we have never actually seen you in person. So it'd be nice to actually meet you for real one day. <laughs> That's so strange. (laughs) Oh, it is. Thanks for joining us today on Conversations, a production of the Center for Digital History at the Washington Library. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jim Ambusky, with editorial assistance from Jeanette Patrick and support from Mount Vernon's media department. 
Be sure to subscribe to Conversations on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you enjoy your favorite programs. Have a question for the podcast team? Send it to us at conversationspodcast at mountvernon.org, and we might feature it on the show. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by going to mountvernon.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.